Thanks for joining us at the Ham South Podcast Network. If you're interested in joining us in our services, we meet at 10am on a Sunday at 131 or Road in Melbourne. We'd love to see you there. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Neon Kids Program. Neon is a before and after school care and school holiday program for primary and intermediate students. Neon has two centres operating in Rotatuna and in Melville. For more information, visit www.neonkids.co.nz. That's www.neonkids.co.nz. Now to the pod. So as I said earlier, it's so good to be with you all here this morning because, I mean, you may or may not have noticed, I've been away for a few weeks over the last wee while. I mean, I had training last week down in Christchurch. Previous weeks I was just away, otherwise we had a funeral one week. So it's been a bit of a messy time and I haven't been here as much as I would have liked to be and I've really missed being here on a Sunday with you all. So it really is nice to be back. Um, And because I've been away a few weeks, and because we've had various things happening, you know, we've had a couple of guest speakers, we've had the AGM, we've had a combined service, you know, lots of different types of services, I haven't had to speak in a little while. And so, you know, I've had in the back of my mind for however many weeks now, look, I'm going to be speaking on Colossians 3, and so I've had that in the back of my mind, and I've been able to mull over it. You know, I've been able to put lots of time into thinking about and considering, you know, what I might speak about on this day, because I had lots of time to prepare. So I've been reading about the passage, you know, getting to know the background. Little thoughts and ideas have been jumping into my mind that I've been holding on to, you know, just getting ready for when I'll prepare this sermon. And then last week when I was on the training course, down in Christchurch, you know, we got to sit with different pastors and leaders, and as they spoke, you know, these little gold nuggets of, like, illustrations and information were just jumping out, and I was like, oh, I'm grabbing all of those, I'm keeping them, because they'll be great for my sermon next week, and so I was getting quite excited to, you know, pull it all together, and to see, you know, what, what was God saying through Colossians 3, And then I came into the office on Monday, and Shannon and I caught up, and then we were like, oh, we better put the podcast up. And so we got it all set up, and I was uploading it, and you have to type in, you know, your description. And so I said to Shannon, oh, sorry, just to confirm, what was the passage you talked about on Sunday? And he was like, oh, it was Colossians 3 something. And I said, no, 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 it must have been Colossians 2, because I'm doing the beginning of Colossians 3. And he was like no, 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 I definitely did Colossians 3, and we were like, "Uh uh-oh, and so we went, and turns out, it's all my fault, and so I, with the different guest speakers and things, I hadn't bumped the roster correctly, so what Audrey had was not right, and Shannon had asked Audrey, because I was away, he said, oh, what's the passage, and she said, Colossians 3, 1 to 11, so he went away, and he wrote about Colossians 3, 1 to 11, and there goes my five or so weeks of planning down the train, but I did listen to Shannon's sermon last week, and I hear that he talked about, um, you know, it's okay to make mistakes, and so I've been able to come to terms with myself about, you know, stitching myself up in this way. And so, yeah, all of that planning, that thinking that I'd been doing, I was like, oh, yikes. I tried to see if it would kind of come into this week's passage, but unfortunately a lot of it didn't. So kind of as usual, I just had my one week to write it rather than the four I thought I had. 
So if you're a keen newsletter follower and you've been keeping up with the passages, today we're taking a step back to Colossians 2, verses 6 to 23, and then next week Shannon is speaking and he will go right forward to Colossians 3, verses 12 to, I think it's 4, verse 1. But yeah, so we're moving forward in our series by taking a step back to fill in what we missed um, from last week. And I've made sure that I've sent Audrey the correctly updated version of the roster. So hopefully this won't happen again. But at least we know, or I guess by the end of this, we'll know if God can work through messy weeks as well. But let's just pray as we get into this morning's sermon. God, we thank you again that we can gather together. We thank you for the gift that your word is to us. Your, yeah, your truth, your word, your life-breathed scripture. And God, we pray that this morning as we dig into your word that you would speak, that we would hear your voice through everything else. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, Colossians 2, we're starting there. So when Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthians, he had to tell them to calm down a little bit. So Corinth, back in Paul's time, it was like a bustling metropolis. It was um, a city where they had a port, and it was like kind of a key place between getting from the sea on one side to the sea on the other. I'm not very good with my geography, so I can't tell you the names of those seas, but it was a bustling place. It was a big city, and lots of the people that lived there were wealthy and powerful, successful people. But they were getting a little bit ahead of themselves, so they, they had heard the message of Jesus. Paul had come to them and he'd shared with them the message of the cross. Um, they knew that they had been set free and they knew that God's power dwelt within them. But they were harnessing that power to kind of give themselves more power and to get ahead. And they were trying to lord it over one another. And as you can imagine, when there's lots of different powerful and wealthy people trying to lord it over each other, things got a little bit messy. And so Paul had to write, he wrote two letters to the Corinthians telling them, you just need to calm down a little bit and remember the importance of humility. But the Colossians, they were quite the opposite. So they certainly weren't a bustling metropolis. Like They kind of had their time in the sun, but in Paul's day, they weren't very significant. In fact, so insignificant that when a couple of years later, an earthquake leveled their town, they didn't even bother to rebuild. Obviously, no one would have missed it. They probably did. Um, but Colossae, they also had heard the message of Christ, the message of the cross. Epaphras had come and delivered that to them, and he shared the good news with them, the same news that the Corinthians had heard, but the Colossians didn't really take to it with the same vigor that the Corinthians had done. And I thought it was interesting to consider maybe how their societies might have impacted the way that they received the gospel. But I, I won't get into that today. That was just like, oh, something interesting I thought about. Um, and maybe it was their nature, like the way that they lived their society. Maybe Epaphras didn't, didn't, just didn't do as good a job as Paul did. But the Colossians, it seemed to be people who were easily swayed. They seemed to bend with even the slightest notion of a new idea or teaching, um, and they so easily began to question their faith when a false prophet pointed in a new direction. 
So they weren't very strong in their faith. I mean, that's okay. We all start somewhere, don't they? Don't we? And so rather than writing another, you need to calm down, letter like Paul had written to the Corinthians, to the Colossians, he had to write a letter of encouragement, a letter that affirmed a lot of what Epaphras had taught them, and a letter of reminder. So the last time that I spoke, I spoke on Colossians 1, verses 15 to 23, the passage that's titled, Christ is Supreme. And I think there was a good reason that Paul included that awesome poem right at the start of this letter, because it really set the tone for what was to come and for what the Colossians needed to be assured of, which was that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before everything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before everything else and holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body, his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to dwell in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That is what Paul had to remind the Colossians of. Those are the truths that he reassured them with. And so we come to today's passage, Colossians 2, verses 6 to 23. And in this passage, Paul gives a series of warnings because they'd been wavering. He'd heard that they'd been wavering. New prophets or teachers had come to them, and with them they'd brought these new philosophies with new ideas of the way to do things. Um, And they'd also brought with them an ear of condemnation for a lot of the ways that the Colossians were already doing things. And the Colossians, they were just sent into a spin. They didn't know what to do because these false teachers or prophets, you know, they, they sounded fairly reasonable. They could back up what they were saying with human reason and logic. You know, they didn't seem too harmless. And so the Colossians' focus became divided. They were losing sight of Christ, the one who is supreme. And so Paul had to write into this situation. And that's where we go, jump into Colossians 2, 6 to 23. And so unlike the way that we read it today, um, when these letters were received by, say, the Colossians, they were read aloud by... Um, They had a special name, an orator, maybe. They were read aloud by someone in the town, and so they heard the whole letter in all of its fullness altogether. So Colossians 2, verses 6 to 23, didn't come that far after Colossians 1, verses 15 to 23, which is the Christ is supreme part. So as we read this this passage from Colossians 2, just keep in mind that this is a flow-on from what we've just read about the supremacy of Christ. So if you want to turn with me to Colossians 2. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him, 
Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only a shadow of what is yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't touch, don't taste? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Paul says, don't let anyone, any human, fool you into following their new philosophies or buying into the spiritual practices of this world. Why not? Because Christ is supreme, remember? In Christ dwelt all the fullness of God, and he is Lord over every ruler and authority. So keep your focus on Christ, and he will help you to weed out the false and empty teachings of this world. Paul says, don't let anyone, any human, condemn you with their new spiritual practices, telling you that you're not doing it right. And don't let anyone, any human, condemn or disqualify you based on their own insistence for you to uphold their strict religious disciplines. Why not? Because these practices and disciplines only concern ego. They aren't connected to Christ. So keep your focus on Christ, the head of the body, And he will see that everything connected into his body grows as God nourishes it.
Paul says, don't feel like you have to submit to anyone's, any human's regulations, even though they may seem wise. Why not? Because you died with Christ to that old life, and you no longer live under the control of any human. These regulations that they ask you to follow and uphold only satisfy the flesh. They can't bring you any closer to God. So keep your focus on Christ, because it is only he who will set you free. And I love the start of this passage, because it points to us realigning our focus. It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. We have to let our roots grow down into him and build our lives upon him. And then our faith will grow strong in Jesus' truth, in the truth of Christ, and we will overflow with thankfulness as a result. This is how we do it. This is how we keep our focus on Christ and allow him to weed out the false and empty teachings in our lives. We have to let our roots grow down into him and build our lives upon him. And this is how we do it. This is how we keep our focus on Christ as head of the body, connecting ourselves to him and growing as God nourishes us. We have to let our roots grow down into him and build our lives upon him. And this is how we do it. This is how we keep our focus on Christ as the only one, the only one who can set us free from the patterns of this world. We have to let our roots grow down into him, into Jesus, and we have to build our lives upon him. We have to let our roots grow down into Jesus and build our lives upon his truth and love. And then our faith will grow strong as the truth that we have been taught transfers from our heads to our hearts. And then we will overflow with thankfulness. And so what does it look like for us in today's world to grow, let our roots grow down into Christ and to build our lives upon him? You know, our world, it talks to us a lot. And I mean, so much of the time we don't even realise that it's talking to us. But through the media, through what we watch on TV, through what we read in the newspaper, through the internet, through these videos, articles, um, posts, anything that anyone uploads, that's talking to us. Um, Through friends and family that we talk to, work colleagues, friends, school friends, church friends, all of these people, they're talking to us and all of these different messages are coming to us through all of these different avenues. I mean, we get a bit overwhelmed and bombarded at times. But whether we realise it or not, or whether we're con- like actively focusing on it, our minds are constantly weeding through and filtering out this information. As it comes in, there's kind of a, am I letting this in? Or am I shoving this out? And our minds are constantly ticking as we receive all of these new ideas, new philosophies, new thinkings, new practices. Everything that's coming in, our minds are going in, out, in, out, in, out. And weeding through what 
what's coming in, filtering through it. And you know, sometimes it can be really easy and our minds do just go in, out, in, out, and we can quickly know whether, yep, that's something that I will bring in or no way, I'm not listening to that. But sometimes things come in and we're like, ooh, actually, let me consider that just for a moment. So all day, every day, we're having facts, information, opinions, lies, truths, you name it, it's coming in. And we are deciding what we'll let in and what we will let affect us. So for those in Colossae, this new information was coming in primarily through false prophets and teachers. And some of their ideas and philosophies were making the Colossians think, hmm, actually, I just will take a moment to consider this. Because, I mean, it sounded all right. These false prophets and teachers, I mean, they were cunning. They could back their things up with human logic and reasoning. And they based a lot of it on trusted traditions, you know, things that had been around for years. And so the Colossians, they let some of this filter into their mind, and it started affecting the way that they were living. So these new philosophies, these new ideas... They were captivating their focus, and it made them begin to waver on the truth that Epaphras had shared with them about Christ. And so today, I mean especially today, we have to be so careful about what we're letting in, about the things, the messages that are coming at us that we're letting take root in our lives. I mean, even in church. We try our best to commune with the Spirit, to ask God what he is saying through scripture, through song, all sorts of things, but we're only human. We can't always nail it, can we? And so Paul, um, also the world, things that are coming from the world, there's kind of no effort there to bring it, to run it by Christ or anything. And so Paul is saying, be careful, stay aware These new ideas, these new philosophies, they may make a lot of sense to you. They may seem reasonable, and they may test well against human thinking. But if it doesn't align with Christ, if it's drawing your focus away from Christ, then be aware, because those teachings, they might lead you astray. So we have to be onto it. We have to be onto it and remain alert to Christ. We need to keep our focus set on him. And when new information comes in that we're not sure of, we have to take it to him. And we have to ask Jesus, is this, is this good? Does this align with you and with what you want for my life? We need to consider it with our eyes on Christ, the one who is over every ruler and authority of this world. And we need to seek to align ourselves with him. So in this world, another thing is that we love to be right. I mean, no one really wants to be wrong, but we do quite love to be right. And something that we do love about wrongness is that we like to point it out in others at times, whether that's like we're actively doing it to their face or something, probably more often than not. It might just be kind of a little thought within us. We see a fault, we analyze something, and we think, oh, yep, that's going to bite you on the bum one day, probably. (laughs) And we just kind of sit back, like we're all knowing, like we're the ones who get to do that, and like we're the ultimate judges. I don't know, probably gives us a sense of power, eh? 
And so these false prophets and teachers that made their way amongst the Colossians, they certainly loved to point out the faults. And they weren't, I don't think they were afraid to point them out to your face either. So they weren't only infiltrating their minds and their lives through their new ideas and philosophies. They also picked apart aspects of the Colossians' lives, the way that they lived, um, picked out the things they didn't agree with, and then they condemned them for it. They were looking into the details of their lives and saying things like, oh, you're eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Okay, I... I mean, it's been sacrificed to the wrong God, but that's, that's on you. <laughs> or they'll say, oh, I didn't see you at church last week, Lucy. I mean, I guess you'll deal with that come judgment day, eh? <laughs> or they might say, oh, oh, you don't get up at 3 a.m. to get three hours of prayer in before sunrise. I mean, you do, you do you, but we'll see whose life is better or running smoother in a few years, eh? And so these false prophets and teachers, they poked their noses into probably what was none of their business, and they gave their condemning opinions, which caused the Colossians to second-guess themselves. They became quite insecure in their faith, and they thought, oh, maybe they're right. Maybe I shouldn't be eating that. Oh, or, oh maybe they're right. Maybe I shouldn't have missed church that day for the training. Oh, dear. Or, oh, maybe I don't love God enough because I'm not willing to get up at 3 a.m. to pray. Or I probably should do that. And so the things that they poked their noses into, they weren't necessarily huge things, but they were things that picked away, picked away, you know, just picked away at the Colossians' lives. And they were pointed enough to make the Colossians feel condemned and to feel excluded from the kingdom of God just based on these practices. And I mean, we think these people had no right to do this. They were false prophets and teachers. They weren't, you know, they weren't coming from God. They had no special God-given ability to pronounce in everyone's lives what was right or wrong. And they certainly had no right to say, you're excluded from God's kingdom because you're doing that. Because it was all just based on what they liked or didn't like about what they were doing. And I mean, the church is a wonderful and an interesting place because in Jesus Christ, he has given us authority to uphold our brothers and sisters in Christ to the truth that we were called to when we decided to follow Christ. And so we do walk this fine line because when we're in close relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, we do have the authority to maybe call some things out in them like, oh, I've noticed that you've been at quite a few parties recently getting yourself a bit drunk. Did you want to catch up and we can talk about maybe why that's happening? Or we could say, hey, I haven't noticed you, I've noticed you haven't been at church the last few weeks. Is there anything going on that you'd like to talk about? So we can give our brothers and sisters in Christ permission to call these things out in us, to keep us in check and to follow up with us so that we're not wandering down strange or alluring paths. And our friends, they can remind us to keep our eyes on Jesus. I mean, that's one of the beauties of being a part of a home group where you have that close, that close and permission-giving relationship with one another. But one thing that we don't have the permission to do is to let our own hang-ups 
or let our own kind of things, you know, that get under our skin cause people to question their own salvation or their worth in Christ. And I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I have a thing about drunkenness. I mean, I don't actually like drinking myself. I don't like the taste of most alcohols. But I just never have understood why anyone would want to get drunk. And so when I've been in situations where I've encountered drunk people, I get really, really angry. And sometimes, you know, I, I don't contain it. I probably need to go to Greg's, Greg's teaching on that. But uh, I really do. I get angry, and I look at these people, and I just want to, like, throw my hands up, roll my eyes, leave them to their drunken fate, which, I mean, kind of scares me. Who knows what might happen to them? But it really riles me up. And so in the past, I've kind of let this get the better of me. And I've let myself get really hung up and really hung up. And you know, you get in that cycle where you just go round and round and you wind yourself tighter and tighter. And then I've let people have it. I've let them know what I think about what they're doing. And I've let them know that I think it's wrong. And da-da-da, you know, my reasonings. But that, I mean, it's never achieved anything good. All it's done is made me feel self-righteous, you know, like I'm being the good one by not drinking or by telling them that this is bad. But it's just left the person that I've let this go on feel hurt. It's just left them feeling like, oh, that's not nice. And so our hang-ups, when we get hung up and wound up about these things, they actually, all they're doing is fueling our own egotistical pursuits. They're just fueling, you know, our sense of self-righteousness. And then when we get hung up on these things, it's others who get hurt because of it. And so Paul reminds the Colossians, you are all a part of Christ's body. Christ is the head. And those who remain in Christ, those who remain connected in, will grow as God nourishes them. And so as brothers and sisters in Christ, don't we want to do everything to help uphold our brothers and sisters to the life that Jesus has called them to? I mean, a part of being able to successfully grow our roots down into Christ is having good people around us who will call us out on things and who will check in about different things that they've noticed in our lives. And they will encourage us and affirm us, but they will also uphold us to the truth that they know we were called to and keep us on the right path. And I mean, sometimes this does mean addressing tricky or hard things in their life. But when we address these things, we we can never let it come from a place of condemnation or exclusion. That can never be our goal in these situations. We can only address these things in one another when we have our eyes fixed on Christ, the head of the body, who gifts us love, grace, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, and life. So Christ is the head of the body, and he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. Keep your eyes focused on Christ, and you will be connected into his body, and Christ will hold this body together. And we will grow as God nourishes us. So another thing that Shannon spoke about last week was the um, things that he thought Paul might call out in us if he was writing this letter to Colossians um, to us today. 
Because living in Christ means living a new life, one where we have died to our old life, our old practices, our unhealthy or sinful practices. And so Shannon suggested that Paul might suggest that we put to death our culture of shame, a culture of fear, and a culture of self-importance. And I believe that this culture of self-importance, I mean, I think it's pretty rife, um, certainly in the world, but also in churches today. So Paul, he exclaims to the Colossians, you have died with Christ. He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. And these mere human teachings that Paul is talking about here, they're not necessarily like bad things or inherently evil things, but they feed into a notion of a works-based salvation. All of these practices, they concern themselves with the things of this world, things that we can control and things that we can succeed with. But Paul wants to remind the Colossians that they are free. They don't have to work to earn their freedom. They don't have to pray more to earn their salvation. The price has been paid and the gift has been given already. Freedom and salvation to all who have faith in Jesus Christ. But when we try to work for it and when we beat ourselves up over mistakes or poor decisions, it only puffs up our own sense of self-righteousness. And it doesn't become faith anymore. It becomes like a ladder to success. And when we're climbing a ladder of success rather than deepening a relationship, we are the ones that we are focused on. We focus on my progress and my success, my improvements, and I celebrate when I win, when I take a step forward, or I rejoice when I succeed. But we died with Christ to their old self. And in being raised with Christ to freedom, he has refocused the goal. As we deepen our relationship with him, and as we press into his body, we focus on where Christ is leading us. And we focus on the lives of others as they are renewed and restored in Christ. And then together, we celebrate when the kingdom of God wins. And we rejoice when the name of Jesus is lifted high. The goal is Christ. He is the reality that awaits us. And I feel like we've talked about this a lot recently, about realigning our focus to Christ. And I mean, that's a lot of what Colossians talks about. But I wonder, I think this is God speaking to us where we are at as a church. Realign your focus onto Christ. And so what does it mean to let our roots grow down into Christ and to build our lives upon him? Let us be alert And keep our eyes focused on Christ. Don't let yourselves be swayed by every new idea, but capture every thought and idea and test it by Christ before allowing it to settle in your head 
and your heart. And let us not get hung up on lawfulness. And instead, let us try, strive to stay connected into Christ as the head of the body. Let us uphold one another with love, grace, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, and life. And let us be nourished by God as we grow together. And finally, let us accept and enjoy the gift of freedom and salvation that Christ has given to us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on him as the head of the body and as the one who calls and leads us on. And then when we do this, our faith will grow strong. And the truth... So Angela and Kira are going to come up and just play a little bit of quiet music. And I just wonder if this morning maybe you have let your focus slip. Maybe you've been swayed by a new idea, or maybe you've gotten yourself hung up on something. Or maybe you're trying to climb the ladder of success for yourself. And so I invite you, take some time, take some serious time this morning to lay yourself before God and just ask him, God, is there an area of my life that I need to change? Or maybe... God, there might be an area of my life that I need to open to you that I haven't done before. We need to put our focus onto Christ. So let us get our focus right as individuals, but also as himself. And let us not forget that through it all, in everything, Christ is supreme. So take some time now just asking God, is there a space in my life where I need to realign it onto Christ? And then we'll sing a couple of songs to finish. Thanks again for joining us for this week's message. Before you go, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Neon Kids Program. Neon is a before and after school care and school holiday program for primary and intermediate students. Neon has two centres operating in Rotatuna and in Melville. For more information, visit www.neonkids.co.nz. That's www.neonkids.co.nz. Thanks again.